Hello, hello, everybody. What's going on? It's Jesse Lee. You can call me hashtag boss so you're the people's mentor. And this is episode 448 of the show where I'm actually being interviewed by the Direct Sellers um, Association. So this is for all the CEOs of network marketing. I know it's on their podcast too, but I figured, you know, I recorded it also. I might as well put it up and let you guys listen to this interview for those of you that maybe don't follow that podcast as well. So this was... <laughs> It's a good interview. It's a little bit spassy in parts, um, but not in a bad way, in like a really powerful way. And um, I think if you are a CEO of a company as well, you might want to listen to this. Um, but it's also very useful for the field to give you some perspective on how I actually run my business because it's very different, I think, than a lot of network marketers typically do. And although you probably know that, uh, I think it's a great episode to listen in on. So today's reviewer of the show, and if you want to be the reviewer of the show and also potentially win $2,500 cash, make sure you get your five-star reviews in and you subscribe to the podcast and you screenshot this and you put it in your Instagram and or Facebook stories. Tag me at I'm Boss Lee, tag some friends or tag Jesse Lee Ward if it's on Facebook, is Ange G. 25, my silent mentor, five stars. I'm so glad I discovered you on the GoPro stage in November, 2020. For a year straight, I've been plugged into your podcast, lives, and even YouTube content. Your lessons, tips, reality checks, and systems have actually helped me 20X my business. Wow, oh, <laughs> that is the best. Okay, like this, y'all, like these are the best. These are the best. If you implement what I tell you to do, it works, okay? Like I know that might sound like, obvious but I think some people don't think about it as obvious as I think so oh my goodness that makes me so happy that review just oh it just made my entire morning I think you can probably hear the smile on my face so thank you for taking the time to not only listen and implement but also to leave that review knew it took you a couple of minutes to do it and so thank you thank you thank you very much I really really appreciate it Make sure you go to the show notes of the show or just go to jessieleetelegram.com and subscribe for that telegram. Today is going to be one of those days. If you happen to listen to this, we are definitely going to do a pop-up Zoom. So get ready. I'll just say five, four, three, two, one, and we will pop up and do a training for only subscribers of the show. With the show, what you're hearing on this episode is me training a network marketing team. That's not actually true, but it's me talking about network marketing. (laughs) Anything that can be perceived as an income claim is not guaranteed and cannot be guaranteed. If you choose to participate in a network marketing company, please understand it is hard work and by no way are my results typical. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for reviewing. Thank you for doing all the things to get this podcast out there. It means a lot to me and I hope I can continue to deliver incredible content. With that said, I hope you guys love episode 448 of the show. Another episode of DSN's Direct Approach Podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Moorhead. And I'm very excited to be joined today by, uh, and I'm, okay, sorry, I'm starting over, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of DSN's Direct Approach Podcast. I am your host, Wayne Moorhead, and I'm very excited to be joined today by entrepreneur, investor, coach, podcaster, influencer, philanthropist, many other commas, and most importantly, for today's show, one of the most successful network marketers in the world right now. And that's absolutely true, been confirmed. So we are so excited to welcome Jesse Lee Ward. Jesse Lee, thank you so much for being here. Wayne, such an amazing intro. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I'm really excited to be on here and hopefully give some insight and knowledge to everybody listening in and uh, excite them for their futures and their businesses. Absolutely. Again, it's a conversation and discussion I've really been looking forward to. There's so much happening in direct selling today, um, so many changes, so many macro trends that are that are impacting the direct selling channel. And I think one of those things that we need more than ever is to have, you know, field leadership perspective 
that understanding of how these dynamics are impacting you and your business so that we as companies and on the corporate side can adapt and learn to support you better. So I can't wait for you to drop some serious knowledge on us today. Um, so I wanna get into your background, but before we do, um, I think we may have kind of a similar location, maybe even experience in common. So I'm gonna kind of freestyle for one second. Wow. So growing up, some of my fondest memories as a kid, you know, after soccer games on Saturday or church on Sunday was piling in the family van. I, there was five kids. Um, so, you know, we, we all could barely fit in a station wagon. So we had to graduate to the van. Um, but my dad was a big history buff. So we would drive to all these different historical sites and, um, you know, historic battlefields. And on the way home, we always stopped at Maine's ice cream <laughs> in Middletown, Maryland. Shut up! <laughs> yes. So you must have gone to Gettysburg and Antietam for sure. And oh my gosh. And all those places. Yeah, so I'm from Potomac, Maryland. I know you're Middletown, Maryland. And um, literally, like when I think, so my dad passed several years ago, but when I think of my dad, literally it's like Maine's ice cream almost every time. They have the so, best ice cream. So if we can like, uh, it doesn't exist anymore. There's like a little, uh, I, know, I think there's a uh, restaurant there now, but um, yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of walking up to, to Maine's uh, ice cream too. Wow. Well, now I, that we've broken the ice and I can trust you. No, I'm kidding. I wow. Know, right? That's awesome. It's, I love Middletown, honestly, such a such a pretty place that main street right there with the church across the, the street is just I mean, it's historic. It's beautiful. It's like a postcard. Um, so, well, I'm glad we made that connection. So, Me too. so tell us a little bit about the path that, that led you into direct selling. Like most people, it wasn't, you know, a, a straight arrow there. Um, you know, I'll brag on you a little bit. You went to an amazing college, you know, full ride scholarship double master, double minor, graduated at the top of your class. And then your career kind of took some twists and turns. So so take us through how you ended up in direct selling. Yeah. So I'll go back to college just for a minute because I actually really enjoyed what I was doing in college. I went to Hunter College and my degrees were marketing and communications. And it was very me. I loved the school I went to. Uh, my professors were all actually adjunct professors. They weren't tenured. So they would only mm -hmm. teach the one class that they would then leave the college and go work in the actual field or vice versa. Uh, so I had people who were literally working in New York City in PR firms or, you know, working and living in New York City in marketing firms. And they were teaching me. So I loved it. Uh, but if we go way, way back, my grandparents raised me. And that was when they were, they had, they were already in their eighties, you know, mid eighties actually. And my Nana in particular, I was very, very, very close to, and her health went, especially my senior year of college. So as soon as I graduated college, it was like, no, you know, all these job offers in the city I was really excited about. I wanted to do marketing. I really wanted to do public relations and family came first. So I graduated college in 2010. I took a, I think it was like a bolt bus, <laughs> a bolt bus back down from New York City uh, to Maryland. And I started just, I uh, actually was a manager at a Victoria's Secret first. And then I was like, this is awful. Like this could not be it. And then I got a job in a pathology lab shortly thereafter. I worked there and I was miserable. Uh, it was definitely not for me, but at least my bills were being paid. Um, but I wasn't, 
it was a huge fall from grace, so to speak, because when I was working in the city, I've always had a good work ethic when I, when I felt like I was in control. I don't know if anybody listening can relate to that, but when I feel like I'm in control, I will, I will work very, very hard. And so when I was in New York City, I was going to school full time. I had three jobs. So I was, you know, an 18 to 21 year old kid making six figures a year and really not spending it because I was waiting tables in Times Square, which is great money. Uh, I was selling massage chairs on Fifth Avenue and I was also a nanny. So I was all over the place. Work, 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 work. And uh, then when you get a job that's paying, you know, what? 30,000 maybe a year after taxes, less than 30,000 a year after taxes when you're used to the grind, the hustle, the crazy hours, the ridiculous commute, uh, and just kind of making everything work. I was going broke every two weeks, like a little bit more broke, right? Bills started, I, I never had a car payment in New York City. I never had to pay for gas. I wasn't even paying for food because I was on a scholarship. And all of a sudden I had so many responsibilities that I never had before. So I'm living in a basement at the time. I was renting a room in a basement. And I mean, there was no bathroom of my own. There was no bedroom of my own. And, or excuse me, there was no bathroom of my own, no kitchen of my own. I had my own bedroom. And the person who I was renting the room from said, hey, I'm raising my rent $300 a month. And I said, um, what? <laughs> What? That's significant. It's a big amount of money when you're already, you know, telling people, no, I can't go out on a Friday night. No, I can't. uh, I I can't go out dancing with you. No, I can't go to the restaurant. We're not going out to dinner. Oh, and I'm just really busy. You know, you're you're catching yourself lying to your friends as to why you can't spend time with them. It's really a financial thing because I didn't want to be financially irresponsible. And I looked at her and I said, well, what, what am I supposed to do to come up with an extra $300 a month? Cause she was not messing around. Like she literally said, Oh, you know, I have somebody else who will move in. You'll be evicted on the first blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh my God. And, uh, it happened to also be towards the end of a year. So, you know, that whole like new year, new you thing. Right. And she looked right at me and she said, well, you could start one of those at home businesses. And I wanted, and I, I literally said back to her, Oh, I went, and I'm so sorry if somebody Avon listens to this. Cause I don't mean to be offensive. I literally <laughs> said what? Like Avon. And she goes, yeah, like Avon. I'm like, what? Nobody had ever even invited me to an at-home direct seller, you know, anything. Nobody had ever uh, offered me an opportunity. Nobody. I probably, because on social media or in real life even, it probably looked like I had it going on. I had the good job. People were so proud of me. Oh, she has benefits. She has health insurance. Oh my goodness. She has a 401k. You know, like your typical brainwashed American. It looks like everything's good. That was me. It was literally me. Everyone thought, oh, she's just so busy. No, I was literally going broke. So uh, a Google search brought me to direct sales, long story short. Uh, I Googled at-home businesses that make the most money. I joined literally the first thing I saw. I was actually corporate sorted. So I still remember I logged in, uh, or I didn't even log in. You know, you're like typing out your information. It says who's referred you. And I said, you know, I left it. Or if, and if nobody's referred you, click this, whatever. I clicked the button, four random photos pop up. And I picked the person who... I, she was actually the closest geographically. She was in Thurmont and I was in Middletown. I can say that to you because you're from Potomac. So you know that's mm-hmm. like, what, 30 minutes down the road. So I'm like, yeah, okay. And I click the person from Thurmont. And that is how my direct seller into network marketing journey began. So 
Big mistake, guys. Big mistake. Huge. Talk to everybody. Because <laughs> I got randomly selected. But, uh, but yeah, that's that. And the rest is kind of history. That was 10 and a half years ago. That is amazing. I, I have to be honest. I have never spoken to someone that actually Googled, you know, at-home business and, and joined and, you know, just jumped in with both feet. I've heard rumors. I thought they were urban legends or myths. <laughs> um, I think that's amazing that that's how you you know, came in, you know, no one had introduced you. Um, you hadn't bought the products before, um, really just came in cold and then hit the ground with both feet running. I, I think that's really amazing. What, what made you pick direct selling over other potential, you know, side gigs? You know, there's, there's a lot that you can do right now in this gig economy, you know, fractional work. What attracted you to direct selling? Was it, you know, the, the landlord that basically said, Hey, go try this. Or had you had friends that had experienced it before? Wow, so no one's even asked me that. So that's, that's a great question. Uh, gig economy didn't really exist in 2011. So there was no Uber. Yeah, there was no, you know, DoorDash. There was no whatever. I for sure could have, like, what, mowed lawns? <laughs> or, uh, you know, eBay was was very rinky-dinky. Amazon wasn't what Amazon is. So, you, you know, we've got all these e-commerce things, whatever now. None of that really existed. So I could have done the whole Gary V, you know, yard sale thing, I suppose. It's definitely an option. Mm-hmm. I I always liked the I liked sales. I still remember my first day at it was Brookstone, right? So Brookstone on Fifth Avenue in New York City. That's the massage chair store. I still remember my first day ever. I walk in and I said, "Okay, so this is commissions based, right?" The guy's like, "Yeah." So you're gonna make I think it was ten dollars an hour. That might be a lie. It might have been less. You make ten dollars an hour and then commissions. I said, "How do commissions work?" And it was little stuff, you know, like the fancy pens are like a dollar. You know, you make a dollar off their fancy glow-up pen or something like that. Uh, the Tempur-Pedic beds were like a $1,500 commission. I was like, oh, wow. And then the massage chairs were a $400 commission. And I still remember this lady walks in and it is my first 20 minutes on the sales floor. I don't know anything about these things. And she sits down. She goes, so tell me about it. I went. Okay. And I remember, and this is actually a big key for any, if there's happened to be anybody, um, any CEOs listening or any field marketers listening, the information's there. And if it's not there, make it there for your field. Because all I did, she had no idea. She's sitting in the chair. Mm, you know, she feels good. Mm. I take the little, uh, let's pretend this is, you know, the little info sheet. I take the little info sheet basically behind her. So she can't even see I'm reading it. I'm reading the benefits to this lady. I'm like, oh, and this chair has 640 functions. That's probably such an exaggeration, but I'm reading everything. Oh, and then this is blah, 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 and blah, blah. And she's like, oh, that's great. How long until I can get it? I'm like, I will be right back. And I walked to the back to tell my manager, I was like, I think I'm going to sell this massage chair to her. He's like, a $6,000 massage, it's your first day, it's your first hour. I said, I know, but I need to know when, when can she get it and do we offer financing? <laughs> like I used my upline, so to speak, right? I read the information off of a sheet. I didn't make up any facts, any stories, any anything. I just took the facts, I read them to her. And my first day I made that $400 commission. So I kind of got addicted to that. Like you can control stuff. Sales allows you to control stuff. Sales allows you to control stuff. Sales allows you to control stuff. So then I was naturally drawn to the idea of, okay, so I'm looking at this compensation plan. It looks like I can control this. It looks to me like the more I retail, the more I profit. 
And I actually started in direct sales as an anti-recruiter, which will probably shock everybody listening to this because now I've recruited over 8,000 people, right? So, but at first I said, no, 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 no. I understand you sell, you make a commission. You sell, you make a commission. You sell, you make a commission. So my big goal was just to become a retailer. And then I got a call from an upline who's like, why are you not recruiting? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's like a whole, that's like a second job. I've got a career in the pathology lab. Okay. Like I have a real job. I was one of those people. I have a real job. Okay. I have an, uh, I have an honorable job. Okay. <laughs> I was one of those jerks. All right. So look, we can all be converted to the, to the light. Uh, but uh, if I did, but, but that's really what attracted me. And the only reason I didn't pick something else was there was no way I could wait tables on top of the hours I was working at the lab. It wouldn't have made sense. I didn't have the time for it. Um, and, I cert- and I was not interested in manual labor, which was pretty much what I thought the other option was. So that took me to direct sales. That's a, yeah, that's such a cool um, path into direct selling. And again, I think you, you realized early on the aptitude that you had for sales. But I think another great example that, is, that, that, that demonstrates is don't wait till you feel like you're ready, till you feel like you have all the information, till you read all the product pages, just jump in and start sharing the products, the experiences. If you need to grab somebody real quick to, to answer a couple of questions, do that. But but don't wait. Just jump in. I, I think that's amazing. That I mean, I know I yeah. would have probably freaked out and run in the back and <laughs> told the manager to go close this gap or something like that. That so, don't wait till you're ready is, is, is one of the most important parts of the direct sales network marketing profession. I mean, period. Uh, just to drive your point home really quickly, and I'll let you continue. Don't mean to monopolize you. Uh, no, just yesterday, pardon me, today's Friday, so Wednesday. Wednesday night's my big, huge, monster weekly tra- team training. And somebody said a question about a product in the chat on this huge team training. And I went, no, it doesn't have that. And the chat's like, yes, it does, Jesse Lee. <laughs> yes, it does. I'm like, it does? They're like, yes. And I said, this is a great learning point. I personally sell almost a quarter million dollars a month in product. Me. Just me. Not the organization. Me. And I'm over here, and there's a product, and I'm saying, no, there's not that ingredient in it. No, it doesn't have that benefit. And I'm getting corrected by my own sales force. You don't need to know everything. Nobody needs to know everything. So just get to work. You'll be fine. You'll figure it out as you go. That's, in, that's incredible advice. You don't need to know everything. If you wait till you feel like you're ready, you're never going to start. Mm-hmm. So just jump in with both feet. That's incredible. So what were some of your perceptions? You mentioned Avon. What were some of your perceptions of direct selling before you had joined? <laughs> you just I want know, honesty, right? right? Okay, so let's do honesty yes. is the best policy, Wayne. Okay. Let's be honest, yeah. Um, was positive. This was like scamola of the century. You know, I had in retrospect when I was probably five years old, I'd been to a longer burger basket party because pottery was really big. The pot, the, you know, everybody had those when I was growing up. Um, and I was like, this is, this is not real. These people think they're running businesses. They are not running businesses. This is, these people are ridiculous. I really had this perception of like, no, you're scamming people. I was, I know I wasn't like an anti MLM or like these crazy people these days, but I was certainly an anti, yeah, I guess I wasn't, I just wasn't as vocal and psychotic on social media as some of them are these days. So, but I had this, I don't want to say evil perception, but I was so desperate 
to make those $300 to keep a roof over my head that in my mindset, if we're being totally honest, I went, oh, I can scam people and make $300. That's fine. And then I'll figure out another job that I can pick up. I'll figure it out next month after I make the 300. So my goal ended up being, okay, I make $300 and that's my exit strategy into a real career. I was just, I mean, when you don't know, you don't know. But at the same time, when you know more, you do better. People need to write that down. Mm -hmm. Like when you know more, you do better. You are allowed to change your your perception when you are educated on things. So I ask everybody when I, when I coach and train and stuff, I'm like, question everything, question everything you've been told. Whether that's as a child from your parents, whether that's from, you know, your pastor in church, whether that's from uh, a politician that you've loved, question everything. And as soon as I actually became part of it and I went, oh, I'm literally selling. And then I'm training a sales team to sell. So it's basically like I, what I was doing at Victoria's Secret when I was managing them. And it's basically like what I was doing when I was selling massage chairs and Brookstone stuff. But I'm getting paid way, way, way better margins because there's no overhead. Like once people are educated on the profession. That's why I'm so loud on social media about it because people just don't know what they don't know. And now you edified me at the beginning of as, as you know, a serial entrepreneur. Well, yeah, I own a bunch of traditional brick and mortar businesses. Now I don't really talk about them on social media because I'm very focused on network marketing. Network marketing is my funnel for liquid income that I then use to invest. And my net margins are horrific in comparison you know, like atrocious because you're not just paying rent $7,000, $8,000 in a location. You're not just paying electricity. You're not just paying gas. You're also paying water. You're paying insurance. You're paying for security alarms. You're paying for staff. You're paying for literally everything. And when you start to understand that this is the best business model for people with an entrepreneurial spirit who want to make crazy crazy, crazy net flow positive income to then reinvest, there is no better option than network marketing. And there is nobody who can convince me otherwise because I have my feet in basically everything else. So that's that. That's incredible. I I love the, um, you know more, you do better. I I do think that 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 is true and necessary in every aspect of our life. We always come in with preconceived notions, you know, to, to any facet of our life. Um, but especially with direct selling, we're all, we're all familiar with, you know, the potential stigma um, that some people have. And, and as they meet people that are involved in it, even if they themselves don't get involved, their perception changes. And I think also, um, you know, for the positive, that perception or misperception is changing with, you know, more and more people engaging in gig economy work with people becoming more um, familiar and comfortable with, uh, affiliates and influencers and how yep. people do share products, you know, socially now. Um, I do think that's helping to, to change the perception in a really good way. So you said you joined, sorry, it looked like you're about to say something. Well, I was just going to mention the stigma really fast. Um, yeah, I almost, I do want to say, I think the profession deserved a stigma like 25 years ago. <laughs> it was a recruiter's game. 
It was you recruit to recruit to recruit to recruit to recruit to recruit to recruit. You do not care about the people. You do not care about selling product. Uh, You just don't care. It was highly manipulative from my perspective, from what I saw. Everything was the recruiting conversation. Um, And I hate this. Now, BK and I are really good friends. So uh, BK Bareko, I'm sure, like most people listening, know him. I know BK. I love BK. Yeah, Yeah. I love BK. So I hate that he had to be the sacrificial lamb. (laughs) But BK being the sacrificial lamb of direct sales network marketing, of course, I'm talking about with Vima in 2015 when Vima was uh, shut down by the FTC, called a pyramid scheme, and then reopened. He actually won the case. I think everybody also knows that now. Uh, It is not a pyramid scheme. He was able to show customers. It became such a loud conversation of, would you please get great products? Would you please train your sales force to sell? Would you please validate this profession with customers? And so now, again, if you know more, you do better. You see people with customer ratios that are crazy. I mean, we've never, it, this, is, this is a monumental period in the direct sales world. People, it'll be one rep to 75 customers. That's a proper business. And there's so Absolutely. much of that. That's not even an anomaly. That's not even an anomaly, right? That kind of business model, like I hate that it happened to BK, but I think the stigma, quite frankly, if we look 20, 25, 30, 35, 50 years back, we actually kind of earned it. So now we get to make it better. And it's just a great encouragement, again, for companies and also large field leaders to really take the time to make the tools, to make the systems, to educate and to basically uh, turn your, your sales force into an army that is well-equipped. So I just wanted to say that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that actually was a perfect transition. And, and I love the answer because I was going to ask you, like, what, what is the biggest change you've seen in direct selling, you know, since you entered, you know, roughly a decade ago? And, you know, I've been in, in and out of direct selling for 20 years. And for me, it is that customer focus. I think that new emphasis, the shift from recruiting to customer acquisition to, to customer conversion. Um, and I, I, I'm going to put a pin in that a little bit because when we get into kind of your business specifically, I want to talk about that ratio of customers to promoters and, and why you feel that that's you know so important and so strong for building a stable business. Um, as you look at uh, direct selling as a whole, you know, the, the promoters, the distributors are the whole reason we exist. You know, with that, that is the whole reason the channel exists. Um, you know, it, as it kind of grew up in more of a retail, kind of more of a traditional channel, um, it was this amazing alternative where, you know, the independent sales force could promote um, and really have that kind of high touch, you know, high contact with the end user, which most companies couldn't have through a retailer. Um, I always feel like even though that the, the promoters, the distributors are the foundation, there's always been this kind of natural tension between corporate and the field where we're always trying to figure out what you're thinking and needing and you're trying to figure out what we're thinking and you're scratching your head and we're scratching our head at times, you know, really just trying to, you know, even though the the end goal is exactly the same, we're really just trying to kind of empathize and and understand each other a little bit more. Um, From your perspective, what does that ideal relationship between corporate and the field look like? So, First of all, you crushed it, right? Like what the end goal is the same. 
So anybody listening to this, like, beep, beep, back it up for a second. If you win and if we win, we all win, right? It cannot be, it cannot any longer be us versus them. Um, And to go to your part about what's the biggest change that I've seen, it's the social selling. It's the fact, and I don't mean this in any offensive way, so nobody take offense to this. It's the fact that there are now reps that are more powerful than the companies. That never existed. This is like the last, I would even say, not even five years. This is like the last three years. And so if you're corporate and you're listening to this, wake up. Wake up. You could have somebody go viral on TikTok today, tomorrow, the next day, the next week. They go viral four or five times. They become a brand. I'm a brand. I'm a brand. Now, the alignment I have with my company allows me to obviously work extremely closely with them. But they are not naive. My CEO is no dum-dum. Okay? Our owners are not stupid. Okay, and it's not to say I'm the only one in the field that is super powerful, but I am very comfortable arguing the fact that I am by far the most powerful person in the field. If I were to leave, it is hugely dangerous to my company. So what do we do? You better start working together to go to your question. You better start working together. So what does this look like? I'll give you guys some ideas for people that are in the, Please, in the, yeah. in the, um, on the corporate side. Number one, relationships with your field leaders. This doesn't have to be anything crazy. This doesn't have to be the big, fancy, lavish trips. This doesn't have to be a lot of that stuff. But are they feeling appreciated? Pull out a calendar. I was looking to see if I had a a paper calendar around here. I don't, uh, not in, in accessible reach. But pull out a calendar. What are the random holidays You know, do you have a field of largely women? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. All of you do that are listening because direct sales is driven by women. Do you do something for Women's Day? For anybody doing, you know, I don't know, $10,000, $12,000, $20,000 in sales a month or more. I don't know. Are the women seen? You know, Father's Day, are you sending things to the people you know that they have children? Do you know your your field leader's birthdays? I mean, for real. Are you send and don't just send generic flowers. Find out what these people like. Find out they like. My company doesn't send me flowers. They send me shoes. They know better. Okay, like they know what Jesse Lee likes. Okay, I like some shoes. Right, I can send shoes all the time. I can send gift, you know, gift things that are that I'm like, ooh, that's fire. That's very me. Right, I feel appreciated, which makes me want to communicate further with them. But I would highly encourage not just your typical advisory board okay like I know most people listening you've got your advisory board it's usually achievement driven you know get x amount of recruits get x amount of sales boom shakalaka you're in okay and I'm not what I am suggesting is everyone reads a book called the multipliers okay Mm -hmm. a book called the multipliers maybe a lot of you who are listening have read this book but who are those people that you can actually have as an internal field team that multiplies your company. Because there is nobody better than the people that are on the front lines. These are people that before you ever run a promo, before you ever put out uh, an incentive, before you ever run a sale, before you ever even come up with a product, ask people, hey, 
You know, maybe it's a group of five people, not a big group. Literally, I'm talking like five to seven. Read the book. But five to seven people, okay, well, hold on a minute. What do you think? Because you're the one in people's homes every day. You're the one on social media and you hear people say, I want this flavor. I want that scent. I want that product. My customers have been asking for this. Hey, when are we opening this country? When are we doing this? When are we doing that? We know we have that info. You can run all the, uh, you know, uh, Facebook analytics to see who's clicking like on your page. You can do whatever. But there is no better voice than your top leaders. There is no better voice who's actually in action, right? And so if you want to multiply this thing, you better know these people. You better get to know their minds. And you better build your systems and your whatever else around what they say is needed. Those people should be so comfortable with you that it feels way more like family. Way more like I'm going to pick up the phone right now and call you on your crap. Okay, like I will pick up that phone and call my CEO on his crap and I have no fear of him terminating me and he has no fear of me leaving. We have a relationship. And so if you do more of that, uh, you will see your company expand. The other side, I want to say on the flip side, because you said there are some field leaders who also listen into this show. Your corporate office. They're human. They're people, and quite frankly, they're people who get paid a lot less than you. They just are. And I think this is a perspective that people in the field don't think about. You're sending those nasty messages to customer support. Those are real people. You're sending mean text messages like, we should have done better with that promo. That's a real person. It's not a, not a robot. And so I would encourage you to actually swing so far on the other side. I send flowers, food, gifts, etc., to my corporate team. I send gratitude text messages every single week. Every single week. Not to the same person. To everybody. I, I know who's running our social media, Instagram page, whatever. So I send the Instagram page gratitude. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the sale today. This is incredible. Oh my gosh. The warehouse. If you know where your warehouse is, send your warehouse food. Those are real people making $9, 15 to $15 an hour. They're tired. They're sick and tired of packing your boxes. Give them some love. Your shipment's delayed. It's a real person. It's a real person with a real family, with, with real stressors outside of being screamed at by you. And so I think it's actually two-sided. Right. I think the field needs to do better and corporate needs to do better. And you got to come together and you got to have a symbiotic relationship that allows you to expand. That's my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Greater empathy and and support um, from both sides, I I think, is only going to help the company um, really succeed more. And, And I think to your point, with this big shift around now, the reach, the tools that the field have now are unlike anything that we had even five years ago. The reach, the awareness um, that, that just a single th- that you have. I mean, I, I know you have an enormous you know, Instagram following. I, I looked it up and the reach that you have, you know, and, and a lot of the um, promoters have sometimes larger than the company itself. Correct. And so I think a lot of the responsibility internally is shifting. I mean, even on the marketing side, I'm, I'm looking at this from a marketing lens, but it's more supporting 
you know, distributor relations, distributor support, than even a lot of the marketing, because now a lot of that marketing is going to happen on the front lines, you know, from the field. And the other big change to, to what you said, you know, the, the control or the power that um, or the influence that, that the promoters have, you know, we really, when I started in direct selling, it was very much command and control. How do you control your brand? How do you lock everybody into these templates or the only ones approved in these images? And now it's, it's literally open up the floodgates. It's, it's gone from command and control to empower and engage. So give you the tools, you know, give you the assets that you need to make your own materials, your own tools, your own websites. And I think that's been huge for, for helping the company to grow is kind of a, you know, taking the, the reins off a little bit and just letting the field run with these social tools that, again, are have to be embraced. Um, and again, are so much more powerful than anything even the company had, um, you know, from an earned or paid media standpoint. You know, we still, I think corporate still has some responsibility around building the brand and, and you know, keeping some of that, you know, strategy and consistency from, you know, product to brand, you know, reputation management standpoint. But I agree, just unleash the field, give them what they need to really just go out there and be the evangelists um, that they are and create that awareness for you. I think I think that's incredible. Yeah, it's, um, it's so, just a conversation, uh, like just ask, you know, what tools yeah. do you need? What are you looking for from us? Because you're right, I mean, yeah. you're gonna have master marketers inside your field who have no desire to work at corporate office and make graphic images, but why can't you utilize them? So I love that. I think yeah, that, that's especially that's strong command and control versus empower and engage. I hope everybody took notes yeah. on that. Big difference. And, and especially from the um, the, so, the social standpoint, you know, a lot of the the social media teams internally now. I mean, they they grew up using social, but they haven't always sold via social. Right. Um, but the field has, and so I think in a lot of in a lot of instances, the field has more understanding of, of how to market. Uh, the product and the opportunity via via social channels and platforms than than internal. So we do need to stay really closely linked, kind of arm in arm, and I, I think kind of helping each side, you know, of that coin get better and better. I'll give them like so, a quick like something CEOs could do. Yeah, really fast. But with that, again, some of some people listening, I'm sure, already have their that inner circle. You know, they the they, the faces popped in their head when I said that. Go ask them. Where in the last month, like tell them to check their credit card statements. Where in the last month did you shop online? Like not the obvious ones. Go, go tell me, go look down your actual, you know, Amex statement. And I want you to tell me where you shopped online. And I want you to tell me which websites had really good flow. Like which websites upsold you? What worked really well? What pop-ups got you? What one buy now, click whatever worked for you? Not just the big Amazons and whatever. I want to know. Absolutely. That, that's a really important point um, as well. I think there's a lot that we can do as corporate now. We have tools to support the field to help them grow their sales volume, you know, especially from a digital standpoint than we had before. And again, not, not competing with the field, not from a, any type of channel conflict, but now we have the ability to you know, send targeted campaigns or targeted emails to people in you know, anyone's downline that forgot to, you know, that, that left in a product like abandoned card email. Yep. Again, one of the most successful emails. That, that doesn't take anything away from, from that member, but we can target those people and help drive additional sales volume for distributors. And so it is that symbiotic relationship. I, I love how you kind of categorized it that way, where we're going to learn from each other and support each other, not really, you know, go to loggerheads or be in competition with, with one another. But I do think more than ever now, 
um, it is just getting the field what they need um, to really go out and promote um, and market it. But um, that that two-way communication line is so important. So, you know, even I, I do think advisory boards have been vastly helpful for me, but also, you know, subject matter experts, you know, within they might be at different levels in, in organizations, but just people that, that have understanding of tools and platforms um, and skill sets that, you know, marketing, sales, whoever can reach out to, to bounce ideas off of, you know, even, even bouncing, as you mentioned, you know, a promotion off a few people prior to it going out, you're going to understand really quickly whether that's going to be effective or not. If, if it's going to fit into the member's duplication model well, or if, you know, it's, you know, to put it mildly, if that promotion is going to end up like crap in the bed, because, you know, it really wasn't validated with the field. Yeah. Um, so again, that, that communication is so important. That's yeah. Like what you said should, it should not be taken lightly. I mean, it might've sounded basic to some people, but the basic things work like just get the validation from the field. Everybody needs to do that. Second thing I want to say is a really good idea for, uh, cause like you said, advisory boards have been so important for your, for your companies. Um, one other thing that people might want to consider putting together, cause you, you mentioning smaller ranks made me go, Oh yeah, I should mention this, put together an influencer team. So who are the people with, you know, millions of, maybe they suck at selling. Okay. So that's why they're a lower rank. Maybe they're just atrocious business owners. Great. But if they still socialize a new product of yours and it gets 5 million eyeballs on it, the people who are the closers, you know, we'll, cl we'll clean it up. We'll sweep it all up. You know, I don't get offended when a, when a big people, Oh, did you see that? You know, your company has, there's a, everyone on TikTok. I'm like, good good because they have you know 50 million followers together and they're not they're not even ranked twos okay like good let go ahead and market go ahead influencer team and then let everybody else close their customers nobody's taking from anybody it's building the brand i want more companies and ceos to think about their companies not just in the lens of oh i'm just building this network marketing thing i just want to get on the dsn top 100 i just no like that's not it build right. a brand build something that people can attach themselves to because if you do that you scale massively massively creating that emotional connection is vital that that's what a brand's for you know it's a shortcut um, you have to be brand conscious as well as product conscious as what as well as you know sales focused. So that is so important. I'm glad you said that because um, you know I found a little bit at times when you do some of the more top of funnel kind of brand building, you know, emotional versus transactional. I've actually gotten pushback at times from the field, you know, saying, "Hey, that's kind of our job." Um, and so again, there's been some education just saying. Look, we're we're here just getting more eyeballs on it. You know, we're we're softening the beaches a little bit for you. That's part of what what brand building is about. Um, so I love the fact that, that you talked about the importance of, of building that brand as well, especially in the social world where, you know, products are you know not competing on shelves anymore. They're competing on screens. You know, they're one tile away. You know, from one another. So we we do compete side by side now. Um, you know, with replacement products. So it's important that that when someone's going to scroll and sees your product, that as much awareness and understanding of that product, the solution that it's going to provide, 
um, is, is vastly important. You, you talked about millions of eyeballs, and I want to shift um, more into specifically talking about your business. So you've built, I mean, I, I, I've heard and read these numbers, and it's it's absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. So you've got like 800,000, you know, approximately 800,000 customers. We're at you know, just over 10, a million now, so I need to update Just over stuff. a million. Okay, so yeah, mine's, the last article I read is out of date a little bit, but, you know, and, and um, 20-ish, 5,000 promoters, you know, across 25 countries. And again, first, congrats. That is incredible to Thank be able you. to scale a business. And, and I also want, want to point out, and maybe you can touch on it a little bit in a second, but this isn't the first business that you've built. You've had to start over before. And so these numbers are really starting from scratch. They're not, you know, pulling your, you know, an entire organization over into a new company. This was starting from scratch with nothing. Um, but I do think that talking about this ratio of, of customers to, to promoters and distributors, what you've done really illustrates what every company in direct selling needs to do. It's got to be customer based. You have to have a really solid foundation um, with a, a good, strong, sizable group of promoters, but that it's focused on customer acquisition. And you kind of use the customer acquisition as prospecting for recruitment. So I'm going to I'm gonna kind of shut up now and let, let you talk a little <laughs> bit about that. But I do think how you've built your business is literally like textbook what we all need to strive to do. So can you tell us a little bit about why you've built it that way? Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. And uh, I like how you speak. So I'm over here like, yeah, I'm taking notes. I don't know, but I hope everyone's taking notes. Um, <laughs> I'm taking plenty of notes on you. So I love you. it. So thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, again, I think I came into, like I made the transition from direct sales party plan into network marketing at such an interesting time. It was 2015, and like I mentioned, the BK story. So I was like, oh, we can't just recruit a bunch of people. Like that is dangerous. Because everyone had kind of planted in my head, recruit to recruit to recruit, right? We already covered that. So I did start in the party plan, did that at home, belly to belly, no social media. So if you look back, even six years ago, six and a half years ago, my stuff has seven likes. You know, it's family members. Um, it's people I went to college with and it's people I went to high school with. That's it. We were just trying to be supportive. Yeah. Like, just like, yeah. and, and I wasn't even trying to sell on social. It'd be like, I'd post, you know, I'm going to the gym. Like, it's a good day today. Whatever. Like, I wasn't, you know, I was just using social media like normal people use social media. Um, and so... Uh, I did make that transition in 2015 to network marketing, and that was crazy. So I really appreciate you mentioning there was no massive wave of take people uh, because I think ethically, first of all, that's horrific. You're tearing families apart. Uh, second of all, there's billions of people on earth, and like anybody with an abundance mindset knows they can build again. Uh, and there's something a CEO said one time I want to share with you that's so powerful and hopefully brings some uh, hope to everybody. But um, so... Three people, I actually wrote a status yesterday about this. Three people went from my party plan company with me to network marketing. And I think that was largely in part because the compensation plan just made absolutely no sense to them. They were like, you're selling what? What is a generation? What is, hold on a minute. Like I understand wholesale pricing. I don't understand compression. I don't understand, you know, I don't get this residual income stuff, right? So it was a whole mindset shift. So the rebuild in, in my first network marketing company, um, it was so, oh my gosh, ooh, it was obstacle is the way Ryan Holiday all day long, okay? Yeah. I was, it was exhausting, but it made me create systems. 
CEOs that are listening to this, please create systems, okay? If you want to, to lower your attrition, create systems. People understand jobs because since we were children, we were put in a cycle of jobs. We are not natural entrepreneurs because we have been woken up at six in the morning since basically infancy to be at school by 7.30 a.m., to be out of school and clock out by four o'clock p.m. If you do have, you get the point. We're in this cycle. This is what we're trained to do. You're not trained to think outside of the box and think entrepreneurship. So since you know 97% of your field is naturally employee mindset, Build structures for people who are employee mindset driven to thrive, okay? So I started getting asked the same questions over and over and over and over and over again, mostly around compensation plan, mostly around compensation plan. And I just thought to myself, this is crazy. I cannot be on the phone and on Zoom all day, every day. There's no time freedom. I'm closing, you know, two people a day. This is nuts. That's how some of my systems started to come about. What I started noticing was that I started paying very close attention to the questions that potential customers would ask. And this is what everybody should do. Compile a list from your top field leaders of the questions that they consistently get asked. Because I guarantee it's the same ones over and over and over and over and over again. It's, there's very little variant in there. And so I just started creating resources that would answer those potential customers' questions like this. Okay, so, you know, and I'll talk more about this um, at the actual conference. Okay, I'll give you some of my best mm -hmm. systems and stuff, a lot of structure and scripting and all kinds of stuff. I'll give it to you all. You can steal it and put it in your companies. I don't care. It's all abundance over here. Uh, I want all of us to win. I want this whole profession to just explode even further. So I, I just made little short videos, minute and a half long videos, you know, uh, quick little PDFs, you know, not even beautiful images. Just get the images done. I didn't have a corporate team. And we, and we exploded. I mean, the whole company exploded, right? I mean, it's one, of the, it's one of the biggest companies now. And when I joined, they were doing $250,000 in sales a month. So why don't you just like, think about that. 16 months later, our team was doing over 2 million points a month. What is that, like 3.5 million or something dollars in sales with no network marketing background? Come on. It's these little tight systems. And the customers just kept coming. People kept saying, what are you doing, Jesse Lee? What are you doing? What are you doing? Where's the promoters? I'm like, I don't need that many promoters. I need it. I need promoters who win. Because if you want to recruit more people, which is important to your, to your point, you need to scale your sales force with people, okay? Like, you need to have people who are winning. You need to have people winning, even if it's $100 a month, $1,000 a month. I'm not saying you need to create a whole bunch of multimillionaires right off the bat, but you do need to have people who have stories. So I just started purveying a ton of stories. You know, $500 a month, $2,000 a month, $3,000 a month, $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month, $400 a month, whatever. And those stories, again, I systematized, right? And we would, we would drip it on the customers, we would get the customers involved not only in the product and grabbing testimonials from them, but then we would tell them and we'd show them the opportunity. Most people didn't take the opportunity. That's great. I don't care. That's one of my favorite trainings I ever do uh, is I talk about Louis Vuitton. I love Louis Vuitton. Okay. I love, I spend too much money. No, I spend just enough, right? I spend a great amount of money at that store. They know me. They text me, whatever. That's my point. I walk into that store and nobody at Louis Vuitton over here at Legacy West goes, well, have you ever thought? I mean, clearly you like it. 
I mean, you've got the shoes, you got the bag, you got the shirt, you got the pants, you got the belts, you got all the stuff, you got the luggage. Have you ever thought about selling for Louis Vuitton? No! I walk in there like, they're like sparkling or still. They're like, what's your phone number? They look at my account. Oh, good Lord, this lady likes to shop. Okay, they look up my account. They say, oh, you've lived here and you've lived here. And I see you like this color palette. Are there any other colors you tend to like? Oh, is there anything specific you're looking for? Is there anyone important in your life that you would like to shop for and us remind you? Do you like getting the little sales books? Like, do you want the the the, um, the Louis Vuitton, uh, you, know, uh, 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 the, you know, the books where you can flip through and you can see all the bags and whatever? Okay, I like that stuff. Yes, mail it to me, mail it to me. Me, right they make me feel special so I shop more then the reps text me they text me oh Jesse Lee hey how you doing this is the new collection don't know if you like it if you don't that's fine if you do let me know I'll hold it for you right I don't respond to 85% of the text because I don't want the stuff they're showing me but when I do I text back so I always adopted this mindset of Customer service, customer service, customer service. And I've trained that through my, through my field. And then I also highly engage the customers. So my customers get customers. If your compensation plan doesn't currently have something where people can refer people, please adopt that and put that in your compensation plan. The ability for a customer to earn free product. The ability for a customer to help build your brand because it's something they like. This is so basic, but there's a lot of companies that don't have this. Everything has this. I can't even think of a company off the top of my head that doesn't have a, here's your referral code. Or you can't email and say, can I get a referral code? Everybody has it. So that's how you stabilize everything though. So you mentioned that I've built this three times, right? I've built three businesses to multi-millions. Well, to the point of if you want a company that stands the test of time, stop focusing on recruiting. Here's why. I left... Okay, I was terminated. Everyone knows, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, I was terminated. Our team was doing 2 million points a month. I left, obviously. I've rebuilt to way more. We're doing about 13 million a month right now. Bananas. And I say that to tell you that team that I no longer lead, obviously, does about 3 million points a month now, four years later. Why? Not because there's great leadership there. They do that because there were tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of customers. And customers don't care if the CEO and CFO are quarreling. Customers don't care if a field leader leaves. Customers want their freaking product. So if you want to, to, to build a foundational business that lasts the test of time and builds and scales and grows and turns into, you know, one of these pillars of the direct sales and network marketing profession, you better switch your mindset from, oh, I got to recruit everybody, everybody, everybody. And just because you brought up an international point, it works everywhere. 28 countries. Yeah. They all use my systems. They all use my group systems. They all use my many chat bots. It's translated into, I don't even know how many languages at this point. Every single thing. They all follow the TikToks. They just do it in German or Italian or Polish or Dutch or Portuguese or, 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 and, and, and. Everything is foundationally built in the customer structure of one system we all follow. 
And if your company does not have that, you better wake up to that because otherwise you are literally allowing your field leaders to run the freaking show entirely. And you better maintain, maintain some control if it's your company. Sure. I love the Louis Vuitton example and, and how you've applied that into your business. I mean, providing real value, establishing trust with customers first, then, then that relationship has been established where if there were other products or even other opportunities, you're more open to it because you know that they care, they understand you. Um, and, and looking to customers, I mean, first you building that as the foundation, I think, again, is so vital to a sustainable business from the corporate side, from the field side. Again, it's the same end goal. It's the same team. But I have always said or, or thought that, you know, the best customers make the best leaders. And so someone yeah. that really understands and loves the product and is so passionate about it is going to get out there and really evangelize and advocate and bring more and more people in. So I, I just love that you're building, you know, your business that way. Um, how, how has social, you talked about social a little bit. Um, well, actually let's, let's stick on systems for a second. So, so you talked, you mentioned to, you kind of put a call out there to all CEOs, you know, if you don't have a system, go build a system. Yeah. Where does the best system come from? You know, is it going to be corporate derived? Is it in partnership with the field? Is it finding something that one of the field leaders is doing that's working and kind of adopting that? and integrating it into the business and then deploying it through the field. Um, I think a lot of companies wrestle with this, A, where the responsibility lies, but B, which is most effective. Uh, I mean, you nailed it at the end. It's the partnership and and the adopting something a big field leader is doing. So it's, it's, it's not an and or. Finding something that's working. Yeah, like if you see somebody just totally rip roaring through your company, you're like, where did they come from? Get on the phone, fly, fly him into your company, fly him over. Hey, come, come to corporate office. We want to take you to lunch. We want to get to know you better and find out what they're doing. But if your company's doing 50 different things, you're going to start to have internal conflict with the leaders as well, which is a great, you know, that's always fun, right? Two big leaders hating each other. That's great. Well, their team does this and this team does that. Come together as one. And this is way easier to do if you start doing it now. Don't wait for this. If you're a newer company, uh, do it now. And you, I would just, if you're not a systems brain, clearly mine is, have somebody sit in with you on a meeting. There are people whose entire jobs are to sit into meetings and come up with systems and strategy and technology and text message apps and whatever else. Let them build it for you. But just saying, oh, I, we're just bad at that. We're just, no, it, yeah, come on. Like, understand your weaknesses. That's how you build the business, is you build the business by saying, ooh, that's bad right here. This is bad right here. And I'm not going to take the time to make that a skill set of mine. I'm not Michael Jordan, right? I'm not going to make all my weaknesses my strengths. Uh, and instead, I'm going to hire that out because I don't have the bandwidth for it, right? Um, and so it, it really is that. It's paying attention to it and then all coming together. That's how this is going to work. It's the only way. It's the only way. And to social, you were going to say something about social, but I don't think we went into that. Yeah, I'll, I'll come. I'll come back to that. One, one. I know we're we're starting to get short on time, so I, I might start doing some kind of rapid fire stuff here. But you know, you're not just developing a sales team; you're developing leaders. You're developing people. How does personal development fit into your your system of duplication? So, kind of when and how do you introduce that to people? Yeah, well, I gotta tell you, personal development's everything. I think that the direct sales network marketing professions are. Essentially, personal development with a compensation plan attached. <laughs> I mean, the, the more you develop as a person, the better leader you become, the more you start to see yourself differently, the more you step into power. Um, 
whatever that looks like for you. Quite frankly, I, I say this and I don't mean it lightly. It's not a joke. If you haven't met me in person in the last six months, we have got to reintroduce ourselves because I am a completely different human. My trajectory of growth is so rapid. It'll, I mean, it'll make your head spin like a, like a exorcist, right? So like there's people that, I mean, even coming, maybe listening to this are like, oh God, a podcast with Jesse Lee. I don't like her, right? Like maybe you terminated me. I don't know, right? I don't know who's listening to this. Um, you know what? Like I'm a different person. And I'm quite frankly grateful for every experience I had in my past. And I can honestly say I wouldn't have said that six years ago. I was angry, you know, I was angry. I was closed minded. I, there was no, uh, trade appreciate, you know, expectation for appreciation. I needed Tony Robbins to, to smack me around a little bit. You know, I needed Jim Rohn to be played through my ears over and over and over again. I needed Zig Ziglar to brainwash me. I needed these, you know, I needed Eric worry to teach me that I was down a path of negativity and destruction, right? Like I needed all this stuff. I needed to eat my humble pie. I needed to go through all this and I needed to understand that everything is happening for me not to me because I used to think everything was a personal attack just like most people do and most of your field what they need quite frankly is mindset training with a system for sales that everybody does behind it because most of these people are I don't believe in broken people I believe in bent people most of the people that have potentially stumbled upon your opportunity and into your sales force, they feel total lacks of worthiness. They think they're ugly. They think they're fat. They think they're stupid. They've, been, they've got crazy trauma from their past, just like every human does. Everyone does. So you need to pour and pour and pour. And maybe not you as a person, but what resources can you pour and pour and pour into people so they can start to believe more? So they can start to see themselves differently. So they can start to believe they are worthy of making the extra $500 a month for their family or extra $1,000 a month for their family or the extra $2,000 a month for themselves. I don't know, maybe they're single, right? Whatever it is. Because nobody... Nobody can build something to the level in which they don't believe it can be built. I'll say it more positively. You will only build it to the level in which you believe it can be built. So I know in my mind, I already know my check for December 2021. Like I've known it since, since January 1st, 2021. I've said it a million. I say it every day over and over and over, over, over. Like I, it is done. It is done. But that's because I believe it can be done. And that's because of personal development. If I didn't have personal development, if I didn't know Bob Proctor's trainings, if I didn't read Think and Grow Rich, if I didn't know that you control everything up here, then I would be just like everybody else in corporate world. I can't even say corporate America because I know my audience at least is all over the world. So I'm sure this is a, a diverse audience. I would be just like everybody else celebrating being just over broke, to be totally honest, You know, celebrating a 401k that doesn't even get matched anymore. Used to get matched 10 years ago. What the hell happened to that? Mm -hmm. Huh? Right? Celebrating health insurance. Oh, health insurance. I can't leave. That cost me $400 a month. People normalize these things that don't need to be normalized when there are better options. Always. They've just got to open their mind. And until you personally develop, until you get your field to personally develop, it doesn't happen. And so I'll be... 
I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm gonna give props to somebody that I've never given him props before. Okay. I'm not gonna say his name because, uh, he still owes me an apology, but I still will give him props. So this man in my first company, he's the CEO. He really poured into his senior board of directors. He really did. I've never said this before on anything, any podcast and anything. He really did. I remember being flown to Naples, Florida in, I believe, 2015. And I don't even remember exactly what the sales training was called necessarily, but it was something he had gone through as well. Like an executive training that allows you to understand your personality better, allows you to lead better, allows you to hear better, pulls out your weaknesses, helps you develop your strengths. And I remember consistently he was pouring in to the top leaders and his company is growing. It is. I've looked at the numbers since I left six years ago, six and a half years ago. I know there's been some acquisitions in there so you can talk crap about it or whatever, but it's a growing company. And I really believe that's because he took the people that were making a hundred thousand dollars a year or more. And he said, I got to make you better people. And I think more CEOs need to think about how can you make your leaders better people? And maybe a thought process instead of trying to hold on to everybody is think about, you know what? Even if they do leave me, even if they do choose to build something else, have I left them better in this world? Are they a better person? And I do think if you have that relationship, that leader who maybe chooses to leave doesn't go on a rip roar and tear through your, your team doesn't tear through your field, doesn't take huge top leaders. And I will tell you, honestly speaking, because of the amount of development that I learned, not from him, but from him bringing people in, I didn't do that to his company. I didn't go after any top leaders. I didn't try to recruit anybody. And that's because of the development. So I think personal development, quite frankly, uh, creates a fortress around everything that you're trying to build. Absolutely. It's not just uh, developing salespeople, but developing people themselves and leaders. Um, and they'll stay and they'll continue to develop more of, of people like themselves. I think that's amazing. So um, last couple of questions. So jump back to 2015. You're about to, you know, press send or, uh, you know, press submit on your application to your first direct selling company. What advice would you give to yourself back then? Um. Wow. <laughs> oh, these are tough questions, man. Uh, okay, so what advice would I have given myself in 2015 when I made? Okay, so probably, first of all, just do it scared. You know, you're mm-hmm. going gonna to screw up. I would also remind myself to trust myself. Um, I would also remind myself to keep spending money on development, like we just talked about. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars since 2015 on personal development, whether it's coaches, whether it's masterminds, whether it's big events, um, whether it's VIP sections at events, whether it, whatever, name it, maybe, maybe a million dollars. I don't know. And it's the reason my money keeps scaling. And sometimes you're so scared. I've been so scared. I feel it, you know, especially back then I was so scared to spend the money on anything. So scared to spend $750. So scared to spend $10,000 horrified to spend $75,000 right on whatever. And, uh, 
every time I do that, I put myself in a position where I thrive because I go into like, you got to make it back. Um, and that's just the law of reciprocity, of course, right? What, what do you give out? You get back in return 10 times. And all of those opportunities I did take, I would just tell myself, hey, just take even more. You know, I've taken really cool opportunities. I'm in incredible masterminds. I was on John Maxwell's faculty. You know, I was one of his top sellers of all time of his programs, right? Um, I would have done more of it. So just take the leaps of faith. It's supposed to be scary. But you know what? You, you really do live once. I think some people, you know, maybe their egos are so, so crazy. They think they're Jesus himself or something. They think they're going to live twice. Uh, but uh, you're not. You're going to live once. <laughs> so since you're going to live once, yeah, live it up. Do it bigger. And I would tell myself, the limit does not exist. There is no governor on how fast you can build this business. The only governor that exists is in your mind. So how, build it, how big is this going to get built? It's not up to me. It's not up to your upline. It's not up to your CEO. The only reason you're not making millions and millions of dollars, Jesse Lee, I said this to myself, is because you are not running as fast as you can run. Take off the kid wheels and freaking go. And as soon as I started to realize that, like for real took ownership over the fact that I could build network marketing as big as I wanted to. As soon as I took those training wheels off, catch me if you can. That's really powerful. I, I have to remind myself of that. Um, often. So thank you for that. So you, you've got all the direct selling CEOs in a room. What piece of advice would you give them on how we can support the field better? What's the one thing you would tell them where we can help you better? Uh, just be more vulnerable, be more human. I love when I see, and not in a bad way. I love when I see my CEO sweat a little, not, not mm -hmm. in, not even in the business sense. Um, I really liked going through his divorce with him last year. You know, and not because he got divorced, it's terrible. But I've watched him cry more than I've ever probably seen men cry. You know, I've watched him be a better father. I've watched him make sacrifices for the business so he's a better dad. And if he tried to be Mr. Macho Man through all of it, this, this symbiotic relationship wouldn't exist. I mean, I would have had respect for him. We get along great, we're good friends. But he didn't just open up to me like that. He opened up to the field. So I understand as CEOs, you're, you got a lot of pressure. I get it. Okay. You're the, the, the king sitting on the throne, the queen sitting on the throne. But you're still human. And if you start to show your field that, they will build much deeper relationships with you. And most people, going back to employee mindsets, most people, they won't build it for themselves. They just won't. And us as alphas, as A-type personalities, you know, we're banging our heads on the desk. Like, why won't these people just do it? They could make their lives so much better. They want to do it for you. And they want to do it for their leaders. So create opportunities by building relationships. And you'll watch your company grow. I promise. Love that. Be vulnerable. Be real. Be authentic. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to ask one pickup question. I, kn I know we're late. You've been so gracious with your time that we can edit this part, but I, I do want to touch leader. on social. I was like, I'm going to be late, girl. I need you to, girl, I need you to tell everyone well, I'll be there in a minute. 
I promise this is the last question, but I know this is something that everyone's going to want to hear from you. So you've you've obviously built an enormous business. Social's been um, an important tool uh, in your marketing toolbox. What is working for you, and and how can corporate better support the field um, from a social marketing standpoint? Um, okay, so first of all, what's working for me is. Basically, I just made a reel about this yesterday. What's working for me is I'm annoying, okay? And I'm not actually <laughs> annoying, right? I know that. But I made a little reel that says, you know, how have I scaled my business so big on social media without paid ads or anything like that? And, and then it's just a funny sound that I use. It goes, the answer is I am annoying. <laughs> it's a funny little reel. It's on my Instagram. And it's not that I'm annoying. It's that I'm everywhere, I TikTok all day, every day. I make Instagram posts and reels all day, every day. I'm live on all platforms all day, every day. I post on Facebook every single day. I podcast every single day. I do everything every single day in every single way. It's important. And that's because I want to be number one in the world for a string of time, not just this blip in time. And that's going to take just domination. And I understand that. So you don't have to do that. No one has to do that in your field. But can you set the pace or have a leader in your organization set the pace so other people can go, well, I mean, good Lord, she posts seven times a day. I cannot. But maybe I can post once. Maybe I can post once. So I actually, it's systematized. I give our team homework assignments literally every single day. Every single day they get assignments that get um, distributed to them through different channels and methodologies through systems, again, that we've created. Uh, and every single day I say, here's your post to make, here's, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it works great. Will everybody do it? No. Will a large majority? Yes. Works really, really well. Um, live video, live video, live video, live video, live video, live video, live video. And it doesn't have to be a beautifully formatted training and it doesn't have to be whatever. It goes back to my following grew very fast because I showed them authentically who I am. Quite frankly, this, this conversation that we're having right now, this is my personality. So like, this is Jesse Lee you're talking to right now, Lane. I'm quieter. I'm super soft. Like I'm clearly dominant in the business sense. I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not the wild woman. People sometimes think I am on social media. It's an alter ego. Every great at anything has an alter ego. Every great athlete has an alter ego. I already mentioned Michael Jordan once in this interview. Why don't we talk about Air Jordan? Air Jordan yeah. is not Michael Jordan. It's a different person. Beyonce and Sasha Fierce are two different people. All of the greats have a stage persona. And so you can be whatever, but live video like this is important. It's important on my podcast that people hear this. Because this is me. You're going to have people who are attracted to the big booming personalities on live. And they're also going to want to see this. So live video is crucial. If you can get your leaders, maybe you put out, here's an idea. You could put out like a 30 day live calendar or maybe a list of 150 live ideas or something and just distribute it to your field. Have somebody in your marketing department, put that out, brand it with whatever and say, here's some live ideas. We're going to do a 30 day live challenge. Whoever completes it, a hundred dollars will be added to your back office whatever. Trust me, it'll be worth it. You want to build your brand? Um, TikTok is the greatest of all time right now. That might change in six months from now. So if you're listening, this is uh, September 2021. <laughs> yeah. uh, so and 
TikTok's ridiculous. I've probably made like netted 2.5, almost $3 million off of TikTok so far since October, 2020, 2020. So less than a year. It's so amazing. Such a powerful platform. I just want to interject that this week they announced TikTok's partnering with Shopify to allow, you know, in video purchases. Ooh! So you're right, video and live video. TikTok's going to be around for a long time. So oh. all of us, you know, the field and corporate need to develop that muscle memory for sure. For sure. It's just the algorithm right now at this time that this interview is happening is absurd. Yeah. People who have no followers can go on. You could go viral in the next 25 minutes and you could have a following of literally 500,000 people in an hour. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a yeah. monster right now. So uh, to, to better support, I gave you a couple ideas around that already. But in general, I would just say don't, don't crush your creators. If you are blessed enough mm -hmm. to have creators in your field support them do not make yeah. them feel defeated because they do have tremendous influence and it would be very stupid of you to make them feel this small so your ego can feel this big for five minutes because when they leave and they just remove you from their link tree and they put somebody else's brand in their link tree and they go viral with another product and they sell five hundred thousand dollars of that product the only person that's going to be pissed off is you Absolutely. Jesse Lee, this has been incredible. I've learned so much. I've got pages of notes already. And I'm also excited to see you at DSU and get more insights and, and great understanding from you. So if you haven't registered yet, uh, make sure you do. Um, thank you so much. Congrats on all your success. And thank you for being the champion of, of direct selling that you are. I, I know that you freely share your time, your advice, um, your wisdom with, with other people in the organization, with companies outside of your current one. So thank you for all you do for direct selling and thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. I just want to rise everybody up. And so, like I mentioned, when we're at DSU, it's going to be all Jesse Lee systems. So I'll give you an inside look on a bunch of I'm stuff excited. I do that has worked like straight up weapons uh, in the field to scale very big. To, for anybody who doesn't know, I've only been with my company for less than four years and I already mentioned my numbers. So I'll just leave it at that. Amazing. It, it works and there's no reason why it can't work for you. So thank you for having me. I had a great time Amazing. on this. And uh, yeah, thank you for helping all of us get better. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much.